Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of I Am a Champion. Jonathan, Jimmy, how are we doing today, guys? Well, I'm doing really good, um, Jason. This has been a, been a challenging week, but this but we're talking about some cool things today with our guest, and um, that is going to help a lot of people that have also had those challenging weeks, I think. But overall, Dude. every day above ground is a good day. I mean, me too, man. It's uh, I've had kids sick. I've had myself. I mean, it's been we had a, we had a stomach bug just ravage our house this week. So, but it's good to get some people in our right mindset here today. Uh, Jimmy, how's it going for you, man? It's going great. I'm excited to talk to both of you to find out you had a you know difficult, challenging kind of week in some areas and how you got through it and still become a champion right throughout the week and champion today. So, I'm looking forward to hearing about this. Wait. And uh, Jonathan, kind of give the uh, listeners a little bit of uh, of a sneak peek on our guest today and what they're going to be talking about. So we have two guests that are coming on, and I'm, I'm going to let Jason tell you the names. But what the subject matter is, one is about going with the flow, having yourself be able to be adaptable in mental state. And the other person is helping with elite athletes as well as you know, athletes you might be coaching and training about mental performance, about getting the right mindset so you can move through things. Jason and I said, we have a challenging week. And it's how you can get through that stuff and go with the flow and, and maintain what you're doing and, and rise up, rise up and keep doing excellent things. And then the second one is getting yourself in the right mindset when things aren't going well or when you're having a bad moment. You still got to function. You still got to be a champ. You still got to have kids, bills, everything like that. Yeah. So yeah, our guest today, guys, is uh, one of the first one is Jeffrey Meyer, and Jeffrey, um, he's a he's a flow coach. So he helps elite athletes get in the zone, if you will. So. I'm interested to talk to him about how do you get to that point and I bust him through those barriers to get in a flow state. And then uh, Melanie Larkins is a high-performance mental coach for for pro athletes as well. And she helps them limit distractions and get laser focused. So I'm going to bring both of them on right now. Jeffrey and Melanie, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? Good. Hi, doing well. Thanks. Yeah, my first question is uh, is to Jeffrey. Jeffrey, first of all, happy birthday, man. Um, happy but- birthday. For those people that may not know what a flow coach is, can you kind of describe a little more in detail what you do here? Sure. Um, so, you know, one of the – I mean, every, I think most athletes have felt that uh, that state of being just um, where you don't know who you are. I mean, that's what it you, – it's like you, you become a different person almost. And so – developing there's there's these certain triggers that we can help athletes get into into a flow state and so training those triggers um i've coached for 30 years i coached on i coached at colorado state university and at university of northern colorado and then at five different high schools and i can tell you one thing the the athlete that's in flow is always better than the one that's not and so, but we as coaches, I never trained it when I was, you know, my last years of coaching, I guess I did a little bit, but now five years since I started my company, um, that's kind of what, what we're really focused on. You know, athletes go to, uh, to the extent of training, 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 but we don't really train to get into the flow state. We used to think that it was just something that's just willy-nilly and it just kind of showed up well the science behind it now says we can certainly train it and we have these opportunities to get into it faster uh longer you know things like that so that's kind of what you know what what we're really headed down 
uh, when I work with athletes. So Jeff, tell me this, when you talk about the flow and most coaches don't know how to teach how to get somebody in the flow states, right? Um, it's kind of new. Um, so my question is, you mentioned there's triggers. So let's, let's go into the triggers. What are they? And how do you work an athlete through this to make sure they're getting the triggers to get in that flow state? Sure. So they're, they're in, I think it's, as time goes on, we might develop more of those triggers, but right now there's about 22 of them. I'll kind of dive deep, uh, deep dive into just a couple. I think one thing is creativity. Um, when you think of, of being, so I, I remember I'm a five foot seven basketball player. So um, I had a lot of division three schools, you know, wanting to see if I could play for them. But that was as far as uh, I remember. I actually played against Danny Ainge once. And uh, I realized this, I used my quickness as part of my talent. And uh, he was six foot five and much quicker than I was. And I thought, okay, this is, this is kind of where I'm. But as, we, as these triggers, you find out this creativity. I just, uh, I just saw a documentary on Wayne Gretzky. And uh, they, they said, what, what made him so different? And one of the things that, that they really brought to the forefront was him being creative. And they asked, well, how did, you, how, did, how did that happen? You know, And he said, well, when all my friends were going to prom, I was out in the pond dreaming while I was playing, right? So I was making, I was making moves up as I, as I was practicing where other kids didn't, have, didn't want to do that or didn't have the opportunity to do it. And so that's one of the things, creativity. I think another thing is creating um, habits. And, and we, you know, I think most athletes, they show up, uh, they show up to practice, they do what the coach says, and then they leave. And if you want to be great, that's never going to get you great, right? So having these habits, like what do you do in these practices? What do you, so if, if, do you quit before you've, you're running lines and do you quit before, right before the line? Well, that's developing a habit that you're quitting before you're running through the line. So when I was coaching, man, I wanted kids running through the wall, the back of the wall, to, to not develop that talent or develop that habit of quitting. And so that's another habit. So clear goals is another thing. I was in front of 120 Division I athletes about two months ago and asked them what their goals were for today. And two girls, it was a track team, two girls had kind of goals for the day. And I was like, here's Division I collegiate athletes that uh, are, on, you know, a lot of them are on scholarship. And it's like they don't have a goal for that day. They didn't have a goal for that practice. And so that's another trigger is if you have a goal. Another thing, the way we build talent in our brain is developing myelin in our brain. And so the more myelin we have, the better off we become, the better talent we become. And so they're saying, you know, the science is kind of saying, man, you have to struggle. It's that, it's that struggle right before and then you don't make it. 
that's when myelin wraps in your brain. That's when you really are focused. That's another trigger is being able to focus. And so there's 22 of them, and I could go on. I love this stuff, so I could go on forever, but I don't want to be the ball hog. And so, but I think these triggers, as if coaches could learn them and then train their athletes, flow state, there's, you know, kind of the godfather of flow is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, as a psychologist, and he wrote a book on flow. Um, and for, I don't know, f- probably 40 years now, we've kind of been referring to that book. But if you look at flow states, people are happier and it doesn't have to be just in sports it can be anything you know um, you get in that flow state time evaporates right we 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 uh, mm. we become like I kind of said you kind of become somebody else it's like you're you're the best of what you can be and that we, we all are searching for high performance. That's, that's kind of where it's at, you know, when you got, I remember I had a game when I was in high school, I scored 58 points and that was, that was my claim to fame. That's about the three point line too, wasn't it, Joe? Okay. Now you're dating. Wow. Yeah. I, well, was, I, I can relate cause I, I was back there too in, the, in those yeah, days. Yeah. So, so <laughs> no three point and, and I could shoot from the distance, you know, that's, that was my, cause I realized going, I was quick, but once I'd meet somebody 6'10", I was always eating the ball. And so I would stay back and shoot the three. But I just remember that feeling, and there was no distraction. Uh, my coach was a different coach at the time. This was I, was, I was kind of a senior, and he would sit back. My uh, The coach that I had before was was screaming all the time, and I – when he would yell focus, it would make me not focus or maybe focus on the wrong things. As a point guard, I wanted to get rid of the ball because I was, I was afraid of my coach yelling, you know, and that's a lesson we can all learn, I think, you know, as we coach. Um, but I just remember that feeling when the game was over, it felt like it just flew by. And then I, I thought to myself, why can't I do that every game, right? Well, uh, it's like I have the potential. Why can't I do it? And flow state distractions are uh, just terrible for for being in flow. You don't you don't feel those distractions. You're just. I read a quote the other day with Simone Biles, and they asked her. They said, "What do you remember?" It was the, her beam routine where she scored the highest that she's ever scored, and. Uh, she goes, to be honest with you, I only remember my mount and my dismount. I don't remember anything in between. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's where you, you get into that state where it's just like it becomes you, you know. So I could go on forever, but it gives <laughs> yeah, you an so idea, some of those triggers. Yeah, so I would put this back to Melanie. Um, just like Jeff was saying, I've been in games both in basketball and football, and, like, I'm not sure. I play professional football. And I was actually better at basketball until I got to college. I was actually a better basketball player than a football player. And I had games where just like with Jeff, where everything I did worked. And then the next game, I couldn't make a shot. And then I've had Michael, I've actually scrimmaged with Michael Jordan and a bunch of NBA players as a practice squad guy. And I realized real quickly, this is not my sport. 
Um, but you've dealt with you've dealt with elite athletes before, and guys like mine. Like we have egos, we have insecurities, we have things where we're identifying ourselves with our sport. How do you get us in the right mindset? Like I, I have my own ways, but I would love to hear how that could work with either getting kids earlier or younger athletes before they get to that adult where there's too many barriers. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually working with a bit of a spectrum of athletes at the moment. So I've got one client who's in high school versus like one, you know, all the way up to a pro or retired. And so these different phases of the game um, and not even just all football, like a mix of sports as well. And I was an athlete, so like I can relate. I understand how it is to have that ego, to have the identity of just like I am an athlete. And I can still say that to this day. And I have to really make a distinction of I am a human. I am a person who does sports. I am a human. I am a person who has these talents. But like I was not born an athlete. I was climbing curtains as a baby, yes, but I was like, you know, you still had the womb process. You still had like a whole life before you learned how to throw a ball, you know? And so you're going to be in a person, even after you're not playing that sport, you might play a different sport. You might do another activity. Um, so how I really approach people is first creating a safe space for them, um, especially when you're talking about really any phase of the sports level, but especially pro athletes, there's like, there's a tendency to not trust people because you've seen in many cases, people are not to be trusted. <laughs> and so um, when you're surrounded by people who are trying to kind of hook into you for something all of the time, even if it's just for your energy, there tends to be this barrier up of like protection and it's necessary to, so that you can survive, so that you can do your job, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing. And as a pro athlete, it's not just for you oftentimes, it's your livelihood for your family, for sometimes your parents, for your whole community. So it's like your, your whole self and the self of, of other people is dependent on how you perform in your job, which is your sport. Um, and so it's first building this relationship of trust um, letting you know that I'm trustworthy. All of our things that we discuss are confidential. I'm not going to go and like talk to their coach, for example, or go talk to, I don't know, whoever about what we're sharing, because that would, that would totally taint the safety of the space. And so it's kind of building that foundation of the trust between us so that they know that it's a space where they can be vulnerable or we can talk about things where, you know, if they, if they need to talk about a certain emotion or a certain doubt or worry that they're having, that we can work through that. We can talk through that process. Um, I'm also not a therapist, so I'm not diagnosing people. I'm not, it's really like a safe space for us to have these conversations and explore. Um, and that's the one side, but I'm also very much working in the body. Uh, I was an athlete, but I also have done yoga and meditation since I was was 13. So this has been, you know, I started gymnastics at eight. So that was my first, but this whole running thread of most of my life in different sports, like basketball, track, lacrosse, I played in college. Um, but then yoga and meditation have been this constant thing. So now what I'm teaching my clients is not just giving them a space of safety in this relationship, but also bringing them into the awareness of their own bodies 
and bringing their bodies as a safe space for them. Um, so with athletes in particular, we've been taught to dissociate from the body. Like you play through pain, you do not cry, you do not face your emotions, that anger, you just put it on the field, you don't. And so there's like a disconnect in how to really experience the body as a body and how the body is sending you signals that we've been trained to ignore. And so I am helping athletes to be able to recognize those signals again, really get into the body, see how their body feels like not to ignore the pain, not to um, ignore the, the grief or the anger or happiness, whatever that is, but to help them acknowledge those feelings in the body so they can balance the emotions, balance the pain, balance that experience. And with the work I'm doing, it helps people reduce pain, reduce injuries, um, manage the injuries that they have, helps to improve sleep. So all of these things that helps them in their sport, but also carries over very well into the rest of life. So that's how I kind of work with people. Um, that's how I, I think just my nature, I'm very disarming. And so I don't, I don't know why, but it's just like, I see people for as people. And so it's not like, you know, I've, I'm from LA. I've met a ton of celebrities. I've met like, you know, high ranking people, like government people. I, I went to a really elite school for high school. I don't, I don't have like a, a celebrity. Oh my Godness about really anyone is like, okay, we're people. Let's like relate as people and see how that goes. So I think that just helps. Hey, I want to, yeah. I want to get in with Melanie and Jeffrey on this. So we're talking about flow, right? And athletes so much want to be in peak states. They want to be really successful when, whether on the court, football field, whatever they're at. And the great ones we all know have routines, right? They have routines that get them in that zone. So, and you're talking about Melanie, you're talking about, you know, meditation, you're talking about yoga, you talk about it. And you hear a lot when you got to get congruent with your mind, the physiology of your body and the language congruent. So what do you do in working with athletes to get them maybe routines, to get them like this is what you do to get yourself ready to be in, in the flow, to play in that zone? What are routines that you give the athletes they can do? We'll go I'll Melanie start. Parker. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Okay. Um, so one important one for me is the sleep routine, the bedtime routine. I know people often talk about the morning and the wake up. But like you have to sleep to wake up. So that is where I start with people. Um, and usually sleep is like that bottom priority. <laughs> like all we do is grind. We push. I got to wake up at 430. Like take my cold shower. Do like all these like push, 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 push. Got to go, go, go. I relate. I am that person. <laughs> so by the time you're pushing all day, when it's time to go to sleep, it's like, oh, how do I do that? Um, and people know, okay, maybe you don't have your phone on or do the computer within an hour before bed. Then it's like, oh, but I wind down with a book. Like, okay, but that's going to start stimulating your mind again. So I encourage people to have some space between any sort of stimulating activity and trying to like lie down for bed, even reading. Um, so giving yourself some space, like putting on dim lighting, speaking softly, having soft, gentle music, like these very gentle things to balance out the very yang, yang part of the day of like activity and action and just having a clear 
distinction with the end of the day and having that gentle like going into bed. Um, and so also you're able to keep your brain in a positive state as you're drifting into those those levels of rest. It's similar to meditation. Like you start getting your brain waves into those deeper levels of like theta states and those lower levels where the mind is very vulnerable to the energy and, um, and influence of other things. So it's very important what you're putting into your brain and your mind and your body in those last stages before sleep, because that's what you're carrying into those deeper states. That's going to affect your quality of sleep. It's like having nightmares, waking up, up a lot having those anxiety like sleep paralysis all of that like the more that you're able to carry with you that that chill that that rest um or even doing like a, a restorative yoga pose like putting your legs up the wall something gentle and then having the wake up wake up with gratitude wake up with um you know whatever that meditation always for me before i go to bed when i wake up like having those as capstones to my day are super important of how I start the day, how I end the day. Um, and then, yeah, so that's, that, those are my most important things for routine meditation and rest. Yeah. Jeff, real quick. I want to bounce that off to you. You know, she, uh, Melanie talked about like different brain levels, right. And, and, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the civil method, but it talks about going alpha, theta. That's where intuition, that's where like you're kind of in the zone. Jeff, can you expand upon that? Like, what is it? How do you get to those points? Maybe in a in a waking state and 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 try to stay in those those states even longer. Can you expand upon that? Yeah. So one of the things that um, I, I really train and I think is uh, most athletes don't ever consider it is. um our emotional resilience and I, I have them think of a battery and throughout the day, because your resilience throughout the day is going to affect your performance. You know, you hear professional players uh, and collegiate players, you know, might get in a fight with their girlfriend, you know, and I, with Mel, one of the things with Mel, social media, you know, she was talking about, you know, that trust. Man, social media, when I was growing up, you know, you had to deal with just your, maybe your school or your city, you know, a little bit. And you yeah. didn't have to, you know, but social media is just, it's crazy. And I've studied also what social media does to your brain, which isn't great, you know, for an athlete. But this emotional resilience and flow state and how look if, if your battery's on empty right before you go to a game and you're preparing to you, you're not going to perform as well as if you and so throughout the day, if we were to understand this emotional resilience and it's these little battery leaks every you know, can be these little tiny things. But eventually, you know, say you have a water bucket and you get these little springs and they're, you know, and all the water's leaking out. You don't really realize it with just the little leaks, but eventually your bucket's going to be empty. And so throughout the day, that's why I train athletes. You know, I have them set their watch, say maybe three hours, every three hours or something like that. And just kind of say, you know, how am I feeling? How am I feeling? How's my body feeling? How am I feeling emotionally? You know, did I just, you know, I, I just broke up with my girlfriend. You know, th there's going to be issues in your performance if that happens. And so your emotional resilience is something that, you know, I look at, I, you know, athletes, I, I love him, but I, I, Draymond Green, 
I mean, if you look at him, if he could channel some of that energy into his play and that emotional resilience throughout the day, it gets on empty. And I've, I've, I started studying, I'm writing a book right now. And so I've, I've done a deep dive into like fourth quarters and when athletes blow up and it's typically at the end of a game where they're emotionally kind of and physically kind of spent and that's where they kind of lose it. And so if we could teach athletes and, you know, and the thing is, if we could teach them at a much younger age, because, you know, high school kids and junior high school kids are modeling these guys. They think it's cool to get in somebody's face and lose control. Yeah. You know, and so if we could start teaching in the, this this emotional resilience, this battery to check in with their bodies and say, hey, how, you know, how am I doing? Am I feeling, you know, and then there's there's things that I teach them down the road on how we can recharge that body. You know, and in, in my book, I have a whole chapter just on gratitude and I Mel probably she probably loves that as well. Just when you're a grateful athlete, you're a better athlete. It's just good job. Hey, Jeff, question for you on that, though. Emotional resilience. When it, So you say they blow up in the fourth quarter into games, right? Things aren't going their way. What are strategies you can give to athletes when they're performing? Like you say, hey, set the, set the watch for three hours, right? And then see emotionally how you feel and what's going on. What can they do during game situations that can make sure their emotions stay stable? See, first of all, just be aware. I, I, I think, you know, most athletes walk on the – on the court, grass, wherever, they're not really aware of this. They're not aware, you know, they're checking in. I think another thing, too, is their self-talk. I was, I was actually trained by Dr. Shad Helmstetter, who has written, a, he, I think he's written 16 books, but one book is What Should I Say When I Talk to Myself is mm-hmm. one of the books. And the self-talk, I think, is a huge thing to keep your emotions in check. You know, to help if you really, um, I, I just as an example, I was working with a gymnast at Denver University. Coach came up and said, could you go work with her? She's freaking out. And so I went over. She had fallen in her warm-ups off the uneven bars four times. She had never fallen before, never. And this is elite, you know, collegiate athlete. She's She's done this since she was probably three. And so... I, I, the first thing I said is, what are you thinking? And she goes, I'm thinking I'm going to fall off again. And I go, well, do you think that's going to come true if you keep thinking that way? And she was like, yeah. And I said, well, get your thoughts right. Our thoughts can create up to 1,400 different chemicals in our body. So they, they can make us feel great or they can make us feel terrible. And as an athlete, you know, and I, I remember my last six or seven years of coaching, I had four assistant coaches and I told them, I said, when we break film down, we are not going to break down the negative stuff anymore. I'm so sick of the athletes walking out of that room feeling terrible because we just chewed them. You know, and that's what every session became, to, you know, it was. And so I said, the only thing that we're going to do now is everything that they did great in that game, we're going to emphasize it. And in the practice, we're going to teach what they did wrong. But we're not going to, you know, we're just not going to beat them over the head anymore. 
And I think that really helped with my players and like self-talk. They started, we started teaching them, you know, you miss a shot, you move on, you make a shot, you celebrate a little bit. It's got, a, it's got this feeling inside. So those are some of the things that as, as athletes, you know, just that emotional resilience, if we were to develop that as a habit to really know how we feel and in a game, you know, I, I've watched a, a ton of NBA games, and I, I love watching timeouts because I remember being in those positions, you know, and if, if you guys coached before, you know, it's like, okay, I, I, I'm going to say this for the 137 millionth time in the huddle, you know, and it's like you get to a point and you watch NBA players, they're not really paying attention, you know. And I just thought, wouldn't it be great if we could teach a little couple breathing techniques, have them go to the bench, do those breathing techniques, and not say a word as a coach, but just get their body in tune more? Because they've heard it, you know. They, they've, they've probably heard what you're going to say. Just those type of things, the emotional resilience is such an important thing for an athlete. And I don't, I don't believe we train it uh, if, we, if we even mention it. I, I don't believe we train it, you know, as a, as a coach. And so being able to do that, you'll perform better. If, if you know, it's like I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of low on my battery. I can, there's techniques, some breathing techniques, things that we can do, self-talk, that will get to charge our battery again so that in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter, you know, we're, we're playing at, at our peak instead of, you know, you see everybody else kind of dying off in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Melanie, do you have something to add to that as well? Yeah, speaking of the fourth quarter, something that was really uh, clear for me is watching the Super Bowl this year. And that- I Don't bring that up, Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have to. I had a client that was in the Super Bowl this year. So I watched it with a new sort of vigor that I never had before. So I had to like root for people. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, I watched that game and emotional balance was what and the mental side, the mental game is what won that game. It had very little to do with what actually happened on the field. But the mindset of the two quarterbacks differed greatly, like especially as you were moving into the third and fourth quarter. And I was very clear, like not being able to balance your emotions has a very real impact on the field, how distracted you are with the life circumstances, with refs making a bad call or whatever that perception is. If you're letting yourself stay stuck in the anger, in, you know, the grief or whatever that is, that's going to affect your next play. That mindset is going to keep affecting you. And when you look at the body language of, the coaches from Kansas City by the third quarter, they were defeated. Their shoulders were hunched. They were like looking down like they had already lost the game. And as a player, if you're looking to your leadership and that's the feedback that you're already getting, you're not going to win that game because you see that the people who are leading you do not believe in you. And so if that's that, that game was lost long before the final whistle ever blew. Um, 
And it comes down to mindset. And if that's how your leadership is in the third quarter, that's going to affect, I'm, I'm sure that affects your team like throughout how is practice going then? Like, it's not just this game. This game is just indicative of how the other things are building up to that game and the practice and the life around that. Um, so one of the things that I really try to instill in people that I work with is this concept of grace. Um, and it's something that you can integrate into really anything that you're doing, not just your sport, but grace. So it's an acronym I, I create. I mean, obviously I did not create the word grace, but I created, I created this acronym. Um, so the G is gratitude. The R is rest. The A is acceptance. The C is connection. And the E is empathy. And so like we were talking about routine. So if you start your day with this acronym and end your day with this acronym, it really helps to bring balance to the rest of your day. So giving gratitude for whatever you're in, like sometimes it might be that you're eating and you have a roof over your head like that. You might be in a challenging time and that's your point of gratitude. Great, be grateful for something. Um, rest, we already talked about my feelings on that. Um, acceptance, so accepting yourself, accepting other people, accepting your reality and having a neutral or positive outlook about it. Um, connecting with other people, connecting with yourself, connecting with God or whatever higher power you connect with. Um, and then empathy. So having not just empathy for other people, but also giving that to yourself and giving yourself grace, giving yourself forgiveness, like being gentle with yourself. You know, as athletes, we're often like, must be better, must be better. And so there's a very difficult thing to like be okay with yourself to be gentle with yourself to give yourself some you know some grace to like like you have tough times okay it's okay you get up and you pick yourself up but you have to acknowledge that you're human and celebrate that you know be grateful for who you are and anyway that's that's what i wanted to add on for that hey, Melanie, i want to i want to ask you a course on that because athletics it's it, you can be get so emotional as you mentioned coaches and players emulate us, right? And they feed off our emotions. So when you get a bad call or something doesn't happen correctly and the game moves quick, right? Mm -hmm. So how, like, I love grace. I love what you're this acronym. What is uh, like a simple strategy you can tell a coach how they can get their mind right to be, to be mindful, to be present in the moment, to allow that mistake to go on and to be the person they need to be to lead their team to have success? Yeah, it's tough. As a player, I say this like now, if I'm on a field and there is a ball, there is something that like clicks in and I'm like, oh, get the ball. So I don't, you know, so like full disclosure, I understand that this is not. And as a coach, I'm like, ah, like what's happening? Or like, yes, you know, you have these big emotions because it's like there's so much energy when you're playing a game. And it's like the energy of the motion of like people watching of achievement of lot. Like it's like the perfect embodiment of the human experience in a game, you know. So I get the emotions and it takes practice. Right. You're not going to get it like today if you're like a high energy coach yesterday you're not gonna all of a sudden be this zen like no that's cool man you missed that play okay that's not gonna happen so i meet people where they are you know you can't like you have to understand reality right so what i give people is just if you can catch yourself in that moment 
you might not do it every time. You might not do it all the time. You might not even do it the first time, but whatever. When you're able to catch yourself as you're about to like rage on your team or you're feeling yourself get down or like whatever that is, even if you're super excited and like even in the Super Bowl example, the excitement was too high and that was imbalanced and that led to technical issue as well. Um, so just being imbalanced, but if you can catch yourself and just take three breaths, like that's it. Even just one breath can make all the difference. Just, and if you can do one to three of those, it totally resets your system, your mind, your body, everything, because to do those three breaths, it takes your mind into a different place. Like you can't be like, like angry. <laughs> you have to, just the nature of doing that helps you kind of get to a different space. So yeah, I'll tack onto that and I'll, I'll direct this at you as well, Jeff is, and Mel, I totally get where you're coming from. You know, my daughter gets that way sometimes. I've seen her not playing well and literally freak out where she's had to come off the court and the coaches like called me out of the stands to go talk to her because he can't or she can't talk to her because she's just that emotional. And I'm not saying that I never had those moments. I'm just saying <laughs> I've had those moments where it's been, there's, I mean, Jason and I talked about this yesterday, I think. There's a, a, a football movie called The Replacements, but it's really not a football movie. But it's, <laughs> and it has Keanu Reeves, but there's a scene in the locker room where Gene happens as the coach goes, what are we afraid of? Can we give some, and Keanu says, quicksand. And everybody goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, he goes well, why don't you ask him? And he says, well, quicksand's like, it's like you're playing. Something goes wrong. It's a bad call. And then you fight harder. Something else goes wrong. It goes wrong. And it keeps going wrong. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And it's like you're drowning in quicksand. You can't move. You can't do anything. You can't breathe. And then suddenly it's like everything's messed up. And you feel like you're over your head. I would love to hear you guys explain ways to get out of that in this situation. Because it's easy to say that after the game or when you're leading up to the game. But when stuff's going crazy and you're getting butt whipped and it's especially when it's on TV and everybody can see it, family and friends in the stands. You know, people don't realize when we walk out that locker room, family and friends talk to us about that stuff. We don't get to tune the world out. Dude, what happened? Why'd your coach do this? Dude, did you see what happened? I do that to my relatives. I have relatives playing in the NFL right now. I call them up and what the hell are you doing? And I realize I shouldn't be doing that, but I do. <laughs> and I go off on my nephew or my cousin. And it's like, dude, how could you let that guy joke? He, he sucks. So I would love to hear how you can help get guys out of that or girls or just athletes or players out of that and even coaches. I've, yeah. I've, uh, I've actually ex experienced it as well. I remember when I was a young coach, I think one of the things we get kind of stuck in a rut is we coach like the coach that taught us, yeah. which is not necessarily good. <laughs> so the coach that coached me was six foot 10. He played, he, he played pro ball. He played at CSU. He was a big man. I'm five. He has a thundering voice. I'm just the opposite, everything of him, you know, but I tried to be like him. And during my about six years into my coaching career, um, there, there's ways that you can change it. Your ability. So I, I, uh, I, I was going back and forth with the ref the whole game. We were just after each other. And it was funny because I thought, why hasn't he kicked me out? And so I remember uh, <laughs> I remember one time he was a heavier guy. 
and we ran. Our, our my team ran. We you know we we full court pressed the whole game, and we would get up and down the court. Our goal was to shoot the ball in seven seconds. Okay, so we were up and down the court, and so I was kind of getting after him because he couldn't keep up. And I said something like, uh, "Your polyester." pants are too short you're not getting enough blood to your head something like that he turned around two technicals and threw me out and i just remember that situation where i lost all control it was now it wasn't like i wanted to punch somebody but i was really frustrated i remember our bench was over here and i remember walking all the way across just so I could stare and walk right by him as I was going to the locker room. And I remember that, and I think, you know, you talk about that quicksand. The whole game, I just kept digging and digging and digging, and then he finally had enough. And it doesn't matter if, if the coach is right or not. It only matters what the ref thinks. Mm-hmm. But one of the situations that I think you can get out is you can have an administrator come and talk to you. And that's what happened to me. They said, this is, not the, this is not what we as a school want to be like. You know, and he's, he's putting all the blame on me, which I, I deserved it. So I started thinking to myself, okay, why did I do that? What happened? And I kind of looked in the mirror. I had one of those moments where I was like, okay, you're not my old coach. That is not you as a person. I'm more of a guy that... I put my arm around players and talk to them. Yeah. I can't, I, you yelling, they almost laugh when I try, cause I just don't have that thundering voice, you know? And so I started really figuring this stuff out as I, you know, got a little bit older. It's like, it's amazing. You know, Melanie, she did such a great job with, you know, the grace and compassion. And I started coaching more like that. That was my, my mom was an angel. She was the kindest person. My dad was a little go-getter, but, you know, I just remember those traits. And so I thought, that's who I am. That's how I can teach them is. And so back to your question on how do we, how, how can, well, I think one of the things is teach coaches how to get into flow state. And then you're, you won't have those distractions. I let him distract me the whole game. I did a terrible job coaching because I was always, you know, I was always fighting with him, you know, and I, I look back and I just think now if I would have, because coaches can get in flow state, the more you're in flow state, those little things don't even bother you. You don't even hear them. You know, when the foul or, you know, whatever happens, if you're in flow, those kind of distractions dissipate. They just kind of go away. And you're so centrally focused on getting your team better or, you know, or player or, or whatever. So I would say, you know, learn, learn these triggers and techniques to get into flow state as a coach. Obviously, as a player, that's your gift. You know, I, I just focus in flow state is such a huge trigger. I, I, you know, I tell athletes all the time, have you ever thought about out-focusing your competition? And they look at me like I'm from Mars. They're like, what, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And I said that you're so focused on one thing that everything else goes away. That's when you're your best. 
And they're like, so now they're, you can see them. You can see their attitude about focus and how important it is and how to train it, you know, things like that. So those are one th- couple things that I would say. And as I got older as a coach, I'm proud to say I, uh, after that happened in 22 years, I got two technical fouls in 22 years. And one technical, and I actually got kicked out of that game, but one technical was because of uh, I, I felt like one of, one of the opposing players physically went after my player. Two in 22 so years? That's pretty good. That's amazing. Well, but I made a lot up for those first seven years, let me yeah. tell you. I, when I had hair, it was red. So. Okay. <laughs> It's kind of like yours, Jason. A little more, a little more on the right. red side, you know. Okay. But yeah. So anyway. now, I'd love for you to follow up on that same question. Yeah. So, Jeffrey, I love that story and the progress, the progression of where you started and where you ended up, and that it seems like basically letting yourself be who you are is what led you to that progression and like letting more of your your authentic self out, and that's really what works, you know. Um, So I had a similar coach when I was playing lacrosse. Gymnastics is like just by nature. Most of the coaches in there are a little bit like aggro. Um, And so I came from from that as like a kid where my motivation for running at vault was like, pretend like there's a rabid dog chasing you and it's foaming at the mouth. (laughs) It's It's like, oh no. So this is like what I came from at my early years. Um, And I had a bunch of different coaches, very positive situations in dance or ice skating or these other sports that I did. Um, But I ended up, I coached a little bit in gymnastics when I was really young. um, And I did some in figure skating, like for the little tots and stuff. Um, But my like main coaching was in lacrosse. And so my major influence, my high school coach was, he trained us as if we were Marines. And this is what he like, he took his training practice and programs and conditioning literally from the Marines. Like we were doing Marine workouts um, and their conditioning. And this is like, yeah, that was his norm. And we were undefeated. Obviously he was undefeated for like five years, I think straight. We played college teams undefeated. Like we did not lose. On the flip side, you know, we could be up 10 goals and you could hear him yelling at us from a mile away, literally, um, because he would get so intense and so amped up. Like he was just like, that's that's who he was. Um, And so when I very when I first started coaching, I could feel myself doing that in games, like getting super amped. And I was like, what is happening? This is not my nature at all. Um, So similar to you, Jeff, uh, I had to kind of go through that process of like, it's okay to not do that. It's like you can still have amazing players and amazing teams and win games and be different from how you were coached. Um, And also what has impacted my outlook and what I train people in is because I was a ref for nine, nine years in lacrosse and being on the other side, changed a lot, (laughs) changed a lot. And yeah, like, especially lacrosse in Georgia, when I first started, it was basically a new sport. So almost the only people that really knew the rules were the refs or people who happened to have played. So you have very passionate fans who do not know the game and they're like, what is wrong? You're like, these are the rules. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, it was like a a very rude awakening to, to what, 
people are experiencing on the other side. And it gave me a very a new empathy and understanding for that other side. So, um, so when I'm working with coaches or even with players, if it's a matter of getting angry at yourself or the refs or whoever, again, those three deep breaths, like one to three deep breaths, when you start feeling that rise happen is really important to reset and rebalance. Like if you're playing angry, you might win the game, but you might also get a technical. You're probably headed for that. Um, especially if it's a championship game, it's like the second half, the fourth quarter, whatever that is. Like if you're playing angry, once you get there, especially let's say you have a tie breaking play, you're like, like zero and zero for lacrosse you're on a like sudden death overtime second overtime like those tensions are super high so if you're already angry that's when like those technicals start happening that's when like the coaches are getting to that level too so taking a couple breaths just letting that come back down so that you can focus on your goal. So your goal is not to get a great call. Your goal is to like make a point. Your goal is to win the game. So focus on that vision that you have of where you want to go. Um, there's a great book by a guy named Trevor Moad called It Takes What It Takes. And I love his, um, this book. And I love the idea of, he calls it, he talks a lot about neutral thinking. So if you're in the negative space, um, like an imbalance of anger. I don't like to call anger a negative emotion because it's necessary. But if you're having imbalanced anger that is uncontrolled, unchecked, it is sometimes very difficult to move to a fully positive, like, great, let's go, if like you're angry. So why not give yourself a midpoint of neutral where you can go from being like angry to being, this is what happened, this is where I'm trying to go. This is what I need to get there. Um, so like, let's take your daughter, Jonathan, if she's in a game and it's like, oh, I did that, that play. I missed that play. I missed that. Like whatever that is. Okay. That happened. But now this is what I can improve. This is what I can do in the next one. I have another, like this moment is a new one. This is a new opportunity. Let me refocus my mind so that I can now like achieve what I'm setting out to do. And so it's just, it's having like staying in this moment, not letting the past affect you and just keeping focus on that future vision, where you're headed, being very objective and neutral about what's going on. And it just helps to like, remove some of that emotion in the moment so that you can just like do what you're trying to do, get your goals achieved. Well, it's really funny, Mel. I'm glad you brought up that my daughter back to my daughter because my question was going to be like, um, where she really gets frustrated is when her teammates are going into that zone and she's not. And whether it's leadership or just, I want to win or you're hurting the team, whatever they're going through her head. I've seen her in middle school where the team wasn't very good. And she was in the far back row, ran all the way across the court to the front row to get the ball because she was sick of this girl missing the ball. And as, even though it was a great play, and then got back to make her own play. It was a great athletic play, but you didn't help your teammates. You just should you know, trust them. The coach got upset, and she didn't get it. And she waited till the car to blow up. And I was the same way. If I thought you weren't playing well or we were suffering, I don't care how big you are. You could be a 2 lineman. I was in your face. Like, what are you doing, dude? Why are you not chatting this guy? Put your hands up. Dude, you're leaving me hanging up. Touch the tight end. Take him to dinner. Give him a $20 bill. Do something. But he's getting up the field on it. You know, I don't care. Or the running back's just running down our throat. And when you're in the secondary, the guy's coming at you 250, 260, 245, full speed. 
you kind of talk to the linebackers and linemen about slowing this down a little bit, you know? <laughs> so I would love to hear either one of you. I mean, we're, I know we're getting close on time, but either one of you guys talking about like, you're a teammate to helping your team, not the coach, not just yourself, but how do you help your others on your team? Yeah, I think yeah. real quick, Jonathan, uh, maybe we finish this out like, you know, last, you know, five minutes, Melanie, you go first and Jeffrey, and then we'll close it out. How, like what Jonathan said, what is the best way to be a great teammate? And so you get your team in a flow and a great mindset. And so I think it's a great way to finish out today for sure. Thanks. This is a great question. Makes me pause to think because I am you. <laughs> like I'm that same person on the field of like, let's go. What are you doing? Um, so like in lacrosse, especially I play defense. This is why I was a horrible basketball player because I'm very good at defense. I hated offense in basketball, but like I would have a get the ball, get the ball, get the ball. Like I'm also very fast. So I get the ball. And then if nobody's there to pass to, I just ran it up the field. And if there's still nobody like, okay, I had to score, let's go. Like, and so I just, I would like what I learned though is that you have to use your teammates. Your team has to work together. You live together, you win together, you play together, you practice together, you fail together. And it's one of those things that's a huge life lesson on the court, on the field, but that carries you after your sport. Like if you're working in business, whether it's for yourself or a company, wherever you're going to do after that teamwork is a huge part of that and knowing that you can't do it by yourself you can't carry the whole team throughout an entire season you have to pull the other people up with you and there's something to be said about personal responsibility like each person has to do that for themselves but you can totally motivate people like I would work a lot with my goalie and my defense to like, let's all like, maybe we all need to huddle up together so we can like figure out what's going on. Maybe somebody doesn't, isn't understanding what we need to do. Maybe, um, maybe somebody isn't feeling confident. Maybe somebody needs a little pep talk, a little like, you can do this. You got this. Um, sometimes people need to have just a place to voice what's going on. Like it's the safe space again, there's being vulnerable of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm upset because my mom's sick. I don't know what college I'm going to go to. Like there are oftentimes life things that are distracting people that is coming with them into the field or on the court or whatever that sports space is because we're human. You know, and if you also are not doing that work of doing meditation or like Jeffrey's working in flow states of being able to keep more of an objective space between those distractions and your focus, then you will succumb to that imbalance on the field as well as off the field. So I give a safe space for people to be able to express like for your daughter, she's obviously a leader on a team, you know, just having that sort of spirit. So if she can try to understand her teammates, if she's not already um, understanding what may be going on for them so then you can find a solution uh, together like finding out what they need what's missing maybe they need more training in something maybe they need um, to be in a different position maybe they don't want to be playing this sport at all maybe they're just not motivated uh, and that might be the case and sometimes you just have to like also accept like that a and grace you have to accept people where they are as well. Like not everyone wants to go play in college or go play pro. Some people just want to chill. 
Some people are just out here to have a good time. They are happy. They don't care if we win or lose. They're like, let's just play. And that does not work for people that like want to go to the top. And so you have to like have balance. And I know, I know, but you know, not everyone is, is motivated in that way, especially in sports and especially at like the younger levels, you have so many different types of players and people are still figuring out what sport they want to play. If they want to play, maybe parents are making them play. And so, yeah, just understanding where people are meeting them where they are. And then together you can kind of find a solution that works for, for people. Yeah. But I think she's obviously a leader and that's that's a good thing because then she can kind of gather the people together and move everyone together. So yeah, Jeff, I would say same question to you and I can make, I kind of close this out. What would you, what, do you, what would you suggest? So I uh, 30 years of coaching, I know one thing that the best players, the best leaders that I had are the best teammates and they build period they build they make players around them better no matter what sport you're in <clears throat> they make so i i i'm working uh, i don't typically work with young young and this kid he's six foot three and he's in eighth grade and he can play and he's a basketball player, plays in California. He can play. And he, he's been struggling with exactly what we're talking about. It's like he can, he can probably go score 45, 50 a game if he wants to. And he's moved up two levels. So he's playing against, you know, kids that are older than him. And he's struggling because he's the younger guy, you know. And so how do we, how do we make him – you know, be a better teammate. That's what it comes down to. And so I told him, I said, now you can't do it fake. You can't do it because I'm telling you to do it. But if you start really thinking about when, when, you know, somebody makes a great pass, man, you got to go out of your way because he's a big guy. You know, he's a big plays in the middle. Most of the time, he's a big kid. You got to go out of your way to slap him five. You got to make a point to tell him that was a great pass. I said, you have to build your teammates and you'll see. And it's crazy. He went two weeks into practice and he goes, I can't believe how much better the whole the whole process of becoming a team is being because I'm trying. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about my teammates. And when you do that, you know, I think you just become a great teammate now. That, that also means if somebody's not working hard, you have that opportunity to kind of chew on them a little bit too. In a way, now you have to be the, you have to be the expert at working hard. You can't yeah. be the lazy leader and chewing people out. That's why Michael Jordan was so great, right? Because he was the, he was the leader in everything that he did, you know? And so, his ability to get on people, you know, people are like, man, he was really rough. He was, well, these guys are professionals, first of all, making millions of dollars. He, you know, it's it's time. But you also knew that if you were on that team, man, he would have your back. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, so it's a, just building. Yeah. And uh, Melody, yeah. Jeffrey, you know, thank you all for coming on today. That's some, some great stuff we got today, Jonathan. I know Jim had to go here, but, uh, man, some championship mindset stuff we had today. 
So again, uh, Melanie, Jeffrey, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all soon for sure. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. It's my great. birthday. Oh, oh yeah, happy birthday. Thank Jonathan, any closing words today on uh, episode three of I'm a Champion? Well, yeah, I think the, for me would be this. It's like being in a championship mindset, I think Melanie said it is, whether it's in business, whether it's on the court, on the field, whether it's in your family, your community, your life, is you've got to you've got to help build that up. And, and Jeff emphasized it as well. You got to be encouraging. You got to um, be um, follow grace, like she said, showing gratitude. Um, and then the A, which was um, acceptance, that some of these people are not as good as you or, or don't think the same way you do. And then I would close it out with this. A coach one time told me something, and I'm, I know he wasn't the first one to say it, is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. That was something that to get in the flow, to get in a better mindset is you've got to have, be more gratitude, have more gratitude, and you've got to care more about the environment around you is to get yourself out of those things when things aren't going well. Yeah, and I think uh, my final point was like what, what Jeff said at the end. He said build, right? And I, I go back to what Michael Jordan said in the documentary. He said, I didn't ask anybody else to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Yeah. You know, and so that that is huge too with championship mindset. So, man, I had a great conversation today. I mean, I wonder what we got going on in March, man. Some championship uh, champion mindset cast. So, so what we'll to tune in a couple weeks to find out. Yeah, people got to be ready, man. We're going to have some, <laughs> getting some pro athletes in here, people that can help you, not just as an athlete, but, you know, and just in life. And if you're an ex-athlete, even more so, these kind of podcasts and webinars are important because it, you're learning to take what you've learned that you may not have um, be able to put in, in place or see other people go through the same thing to apply it to your everyday life. Yeah, like, you know, being a champion father, being a champion husband, parent, you name it. Like, exactly. I mean, you can be a champion in so many areas. So that's why I'm glad we had these shows here for uh, – you know, people to tune in and figure out who they can be a champion for, uh, not just in sports, but out of sports as well. Yeah, obviously. Well, I appreciate you, Jason, as always, man. Just try to have a good day today. I know you and I had some struggles this week, but, you know, we're going to have, hey, let's social some grace and get ourselves back in the flow for the weekend. Emotional resilience, right? Just emotional resilience. Jeff talked about it. So. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> have a good one, Jonathan. Thank you.